Good morning, good morning. It's great to see everybody here today. We are in a series called Stand Strong, and we're talking about the armor of God, something that we wear. And I was thinking about this. Have you ever been caught in a situation where you were supposed to be wearing something that you weren't? Maybe it was a sporting event, or you went to the beach, or you went out, uh, you were going on a trip. I, I remember I was, uh, was years, years back now, but Tisa and I were in Maui. And we were in Maui, Hawaii, and we uh, were going to meet some friends to go out to dinner. And they had invited us out, a pretty good group of friends that happened to be there as well, to uh, the Grand Wailea. It's this swanky resort area. And they, at that time, they had this world-renowned chef who was cooking in the restaurant. So we couldn't wait to go. We're thinking all day long, can't wait to go meet our friends, can't wait to go try that food. And so we purposefully didn't eat much at all during the day, waiting for the time when we would go. And it got to be about 6 o'clock. We showed up about 10 after 6, a little bit late. And we walk up the pathway with the tiki torches and the palm trees and all the stuff. And we're like, oh, this is so good. This dinner is going to be amazing. We get up to where the host seats you. And we could see our friends sitting over in a corner table waiting on us to get there. And so we, we arrive and I'm kind of in typical Hawaiian uh, outfit, you know, like shorts with a Hawaiian shirt. And I think I had some shoes. And, and, the, and the, the maitre d' is like, you can't come in. I'm like, why? He's like, you didn't bring a jacket. Where's your jacket? I'm like, I didn't know I needed a jacket. I smell the food. I see the, the bread and the special butters I need in. And they're like, no, you can't come in. You don't have a suit coat on. And I'm like, well, can I borrow yours? Can I buy yours? What can I do? I need to get in. And our friends are there waving, laughing. And I couldn't believe it because I'm thinking, I'm going to talk my way out of this situation and into that table. And no matter what I said, the guy wouldn't budge. He's like, I'm sorry, no coat, no coming in. So we end up leaving the restaurant, Tisa and I, with our tail between our legs, and we go off and find some little greasy taco place and eat that. It was so demoralizing. Have you ever shown up for something missing a key item you needed? Something maybe that you needed to wear. See, in every sport, every event, every trip, and especially every battle you find yourself in, you better be wearing the right stuff or you're going to get hurt. The Bible tells us as Christians, we're to suit up. We're to dress for battle. And there are some specific things that we've been looking at in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 that tell us what we ought to be bringing into this battle, what we ought to be wearing in this battle. Six essential pieces of armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Now, these three pieces of, or these uh, six pieces of armor are all important. They're all needed. But the first three, Paul uses the verb put on. And so the first three pieces of armor are to put on, we're to wear them 24-7, continuously, and then the last three pieces of armor, he uses the verb take up. And we're to 
utilize them and wield them as necessary in the battles. Like when you're playing baseball, you put on the uniform, you wear it through the whole game, you take up the bat when it's your time to bat and your time to play offense. The breastplate of righteousness is what we're going to talk about today. Last week, Pastor Nate spoke to us about the belt of truth. And today we're going to talk about something we put on, we're to wear 24-7 the whole time. And uh, it's called the breastplate of righteousness. Let's look at it together. If you have a Bible, open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And he said this in chapter 6, verse 13, Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. We need the whole armor of God, not just a couple pieces of it. And it's interesting that he didn't say put on the tux. He didn't say put on the ballroom dress, right? He said put on the armor of God because life is more of a battle than it is a party. I mean, hey, I like to party. I, I like to have fun. I like to experience life. But life's not all fun. Matter of fact, life has a lot of places, maybe even most places, that are very tough, very difficult. Fun comes and goes. So we've got to be wearing the right thing if we're going to make it through these tough times. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because right where you sit right now, you're, you know you're in a tough place in your life. Maybe you received a health diagnosis that's just really got you fearful or worried. Or your kids are just going off the rails. Or maybe you've been caught in a destructive pattern that's been hurting your life through internet porn or through drugs or alcohol. All kinds of things happen in this life that are very difficult. But then there's something even more difficult than a tough day or a tough season, and that is what the scripture calls the evil day. And that this battle wear, this armor, we're to wear in order to be able to stand in the evil day. What's the evil day? Well, it's more than just a tough season of time or a tough day, because it's when all the forces of hell come against you, when all hell breaks out in your life, an evil day of temptation or an evil day of betrayal, an evil day of overwhelming guilt or shame, or an evil day when a bitter root starts to grow in your heart towards your spouse. And that is why the Lord Jesus taught us how to pray. And within this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, something kind of tucked in towards the end of this prayer that we often skip over pretty fast is when Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil, from the evil day and from the evil one. Because there is evil. Demonic forces are real. Satan is a real person. And there's an evil day. When he takes advantage of our weakness, when he takes advantage of those very low places in our life, or he springboards off of some sort of a sin that we've made choice to, to follow, and he brings evil into our life. Now, I'm not saying that every tough day is from the devil. I'm not, matter of fact, there are a lot of tough days, maybe even most tough days, that are just life. 
It's called living life. Choices I've made, stupid choices I've made, often bring about difficulty in my life, like when I go into debt for something I want but don't need and end up having those 60 easy payments not be so easy. <laughs> or maybe it's, maybe it's uh, losing my temper at one of my kids and then the fallout that comes from that. Or maybe it's just stuff, you know, like things break. Anybody own a computer? I mean, you can think the devil's in the computer, but he's not. It's just made by people, and it breaks. It depreciates. Cars break down. Things happen. We have freak accidents that happen. There are all kinds of things that happen in this life that hit our life that bring about a difficulty or a difficult season of life. But there's something different when there's an evil day. Those days that we encounter when the devil begins to attack and all hell breaks out. Attacking maybe your reputation with lies. Attacking your personal integrity with this unusual opportunity of temptation. Attacking your marriage through anger and bitterness that's undealt with or attacking your business or your ministry in a way that goes beyond just logic. There's no stupid mistake that's been made. There's no reason you can point to. It's just the wicked one wanting to stir up strife and bring something down that doesn't need to be brought down. And when the evil comes, you better have your armor on or you'll be taken out. Strongholds. You, we've talked about strongholds in Rooted, those of you who've been through Rooted. If you haven't, you need to make sure and Kind of put that on your list for the fall to take rooted. But we talk about strongholds and rooted. And a stronghold is any belief or behavior that binds you, holds you back from the good things God has for you. Things we believed. Lies that get rooted in our heart that need to be uprooted. And that begins to take over, kind of creating a stronghold. And those get often started in an evil day in our life. But here's the good news. God has given us the ability to experience victory in our battles, protection in our fights, because he's given you the ability to stand your ground. Verse 14 says, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now let's talk about this breastplate of righteousness. Remember, Paul is using imagery of battle attire when he's relating it to our faith. And the image that Paul gives us here isn't hard to understand. Soldiers would wear, and still do today, breastplates. A layer, uh, today it's not a layer of metal. Back in the day it was a layer of metal. Now it's like I was being told earlier at the first service, it's a mixture of like ceramic and Kevlar kind of some special stuff made that still protects the vital organs on the front and on the back. And back in the day, they used breastplates, and they were made of metal and leather. And it was especially effective against uh, the sword. Now, you would never think of going into battle without it because you'd be exposed. And what would be exposed predominantly is your heart. And so when you think of what the enemy wants to do in your life, it's not hard to understand. He's wanting to go after your heart. He's wanting to bring you down. He's wanting to plant things, lies, 
motives, behaviors, things, distrust, cynicism. He's wanting access to your heart. You better have your heart protected because Satan will attack your heart. When we think of spiritual attack, we, we often go to Hollywood. Oh, spiritual attack. Yeah, that's when the cabinets start going in and out and the doors freak out and I hear voices and it gets really cold in the room all of a sudden and dark. No, that's a movie. The way it actually happens, the most common way Satan attacks is he goes after your heart and to create a mortal wound of the heart. He wants your heart to grow cold or to grow hard or to just become apathetic towards God. So let's talk about what the heart is. What is it that we're to protect? The heart in Scripture represents our most inmost being. It's used over and over in the Old and New Testament. It's the essence of who you are. The Bible uses the heart to refer to the seed of our thoughts and the deep motives and the emotions of who we are. Above all else, Proverbs says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Paul says believers need to protect their heart, not give the wicked one access to your heart. And how do you do that? Through righteousness, protecting your heart against the attacks of Satan. Now, Satan will attack your thoughts. That's why it's important to have the belt of truth, God's truth. And there's something different between God's truth and just the world says, hey, everybody has their own truth. Just live your truth. Can I, can I push back on that and say that's foolishness? Amen. Live God's truth. God's truth. Not my truth, your truth, your truth. Your, that's, that's not truth at all. There's a truth that God has. And he says, live this. If you live the truth of God, you're living righteously. That's what righteousness is. It's when you take the truth of God and you live it out. That's righteousness. And so we need God's truth to establish our thoughts. And then Satan will come against your motives. In other words, you might want to do the right thing, but hey, let's be honest. We all have mixed motives. Motives of the heart, and motives matter. I can do the right thing with the wrong heart, and it doesn't really count as righteousness. Satan will attack your emotions. Your emotions are a great gift given to you by God. But when they're left unchecked, when they get out of control, they can end up giving access to the wicked one. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Paul said this. He said, don't, don't sin by letting anger control you. Anger is a strong emotion, right? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let it fester. Don't let it go subterranean. Don't, don't ignore it. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, anger in and of itself is not wrong. Matter of fact, there are a lot of things in this life that should anger us. He says, but in your anger, don't sin. Don't let it just go unchecked. Don't just vomit on people. Don't just become mean-spirited on people and hurt other people. And don't just let it go underground where it builds into resentment and resentment builds into bitterness. And it gives what? It gives a foothold to the devil. So let's not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. He wants access to your heart. And we've got to have righteousness covering our heart, like a breastplate. So what is that? Well, I mentioned earlier, righteousness is living God's truth. It's living his truth. 
Righteousness is a standard. It's a standard that God himself has. It's perfection. Because God always thinks truth, and then he does. His actions line up with that truth. I can't say the same thing. Mine, my actions do not always line up, even with my own truth, which is skewed, let alone with God's truth. And because we all are sinners, we all blow it, right? We all have mixed motives. So the Bible teaches us in Romans 3, it says there's no one righteous, not even one. All have turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. And so I, I look at that and I say, well, where, where does that leave me? You know where that leaves me? It leaves me at the foot of the cross because I bring nothing to the table, nor do you. That all of our righteous deeds, all of our good things we try to do in this life, in and of our own strength, they fall short. And so here's the good news. It says there's a righteousness from God. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's good news. That I come as a sinner, I come broken, I come weak, I come often rebelling against God, going my own way, trying to live out my own convenient truth. And God says, but there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's grace at the cross. There's a righteousness that will come from God into your life. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But when Jesus hung on the cross as the innocent son of God, he paid the penalty for all of our sin. And he made us righteous with God, right with God. Why? We weren't right with God. We were sinners. But all of the penalty of our sin was placed on Jesus at the cross. And so now righteousness is imputed to us. Imputed righteousness, it comes by faith in the Son of God. What he did on the cross, that's it. You receive it by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, if you've never placed your faith in him, the full weight of your life, you've never experienced rightness with God. He wants that for you. Every one of us needs that. That's the starting place of righteousness. We're made right with God because we receive forgiveness and grace. That's imputed righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is because of him, Jesus, that you are in Christ Jesus who has become our righteousness. So we have a righteousness that doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from outside ourselves. It comes from Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how this plays often in my life is that maybe I'll come get ready to come out and speak and preach, and I'll hear this little whisper like, Who do you think you are? You're not worthy to stand up in front of people and tell them about God's word. You're a sinner. If they knew what you had done in your life, if they knew what you were thinking yesterday, they wouldn't want to listen to you. They would laugh at you. Who are you? 
And you know what I have to do and what I've learned to do through the course of my life is to go, you know what? Satan, you're right. I am not righteous in and of myself. I am a sinner. I'm just a broken sinner talking to other broken sinners. But I know the one who can make me whole. And I can tell other people about the one who can make you whole. And so I've got work to do. Get out of my way. Wearing the breastplate of righteousness needs to start by being grounded in who you are in Jesus. That he's adopted you into his family. That he calls you righteous because of him and what he did on the cross. And we have to go back to that over and over and over again in our life, in our thinking, because he attacks your identity. And I can't live up to God's standards. I have to embrace God's grace and God's forgiveness. The second part of righteousness is this. It's imparted righteousness. It's something that happens over time, the process of time better maybe known as sanctification. It's where the Holy Spirit, we receive the Spirit of God when we become a new creation. We become, we become a, new, uh, a, a new creation. That doesn't happen all at once. Yes, there's righteousness in that moment. Now I identify with Jesus. I'm in his family. I belong to him. But there's a righteousness he's working out for the rest of our lives. He's working in you working in me, imparting his righteousness, the spirit of God empowering you, purifying you. You know, I, I, I started out the Christian life as an addict. I started out as a chronic liar. I started out um, going from relationship to relationship. I started out with a skewed view of sexuality. I started out in one way. And thankfully, over the process of time, I'm not like that anymore. There have been so many changes and freedoms that God has brought into my life and victories. And he wants to do that for you too. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been brought into places of freedom in your life. The things that once bound you no longer do. And that's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. It's because he's working. His spirit is working through you, helping you become like him. Isn't that great news? That we don't necessarily bring anything to the table when we come to know Jesus. And we bring very little to the table walking it out as well. Because we need the power of God working in our lives. Otherwise, what happens? We take credit for it. If it was up to us and we could make ourselves clean and righteous and holy and do all the right things with all the right motives, we would really be thinking highly of ourselves. And yet, God teaches us that you can't live up to it. You can't do it in your own strength. You need the power of God imparting into your life every day. And that's why it's so important to pray every day and ask God for his righteousness and ask God to live through your life and live through my life. Turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you how this works. Paul said, surely, in verse 21, surely, you heard of him, he's talking about Jesus. You were taught in him accordance with the truth. There, there's the belt of truth. The truth and righteousness go together. We need them both. The truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on 
the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were created to be like Christ, to be like him in righteousness and holiness, and that's a process of time as we put off the old self, we put on the new self, we wear that breastplate of righteousness. Every time you choose to obey God, you're living out righteousness, and you build on that. Every time you make that choice to surrender to God, every time you make the choice to repent and turn back to God, whenever you catch yourself just living out of your own strength, I do that. I find myself at times, I, stop, I start to stop praying as often and reading scripture as much, and I just start living the life out of my own strength, and pretty soon I recognize and I try to catch myself Somehow I'm, I've bitten off on this lie that I think I don't need God. Like if I need you, God, I'll let you know. But otherwise, I'm just going to live my life. That's not living out of the righteousness of Christ. He wants to free you from every addiction, free you from your fear, free you from lust and greed, free you from the old life. He wants to bring you into a new life where the righteousness of Jesus is your breastplate. See, here's the bottom line. Hell is coming after your heart. Is your heart protected? When you're insecure and you hear that voice, hey, you don't measure up. What are you doing in church? What makes you think you could go to that small group? What makes you think you're a Christian? Why would you think God loves you? You have blown it over and over and over again. You're doing the same thing you were doing last year. Look at you. You're worthless. And that's when you have to go back to the imputed righteousness of Christ and say, I'm a sinner, but I am saved by grace. And he says, I'm right with him because of Jesus. And you repent of your sin and you let the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God wash you clean. And when you get angry, don't sin. When someone offends you, work it out quickly. That's how you protect your heart. That's how you walk in righteousness. That when people hurt you, instead of holding on to it and becoming bitter and holding a grudge, you forgive. And every time you forgive, you're walking in righteousness. Every time you let someone go that deserves punishment, but you let them go from the heart and release them to God for him to do what he wants to do. You're walking in righteousness. You're protecting your heart. And when you're tempted to take credit for your hard work, or you're just trying to work out your righteousness in your own efforts. Man, if I just go to church more, if I read the Bible more, if I pray more, if I give more, if I serve more, if, and you're trying to work out your righteousness and then think that through that, God now owes you something. Instead, we repent of that. We humble ourselves. And we realize, God, I, I brought nothing to the table. I receive righteousness. I'm your son, I'm your daughter, and I just want to submit and surrender myself to you and let you work your righteousness out in me because when that happens, the motives are right. I don't feel like God owes me anything. I just walk it out because it's protection in my life and it keeps me close to God. James words it really well in, verse, in chapter 4 of James. He says, submit yourselves then to God Submit means to come underneath 
the authority of another. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. What that's saying is that as I surrender and quit trying to posture or justify or deny, but I just come to God and say, Lord, I'm in need of your righteousness. Lord, I am in need of you. Lord, I ask that you keep purifying my heart, cleansing my hands, helping my double-minded mind to be singular. And we humble ourselves. And when we humble ourselves, it's a wonderful promise that he'll lift you up. And, you, and the devil has no rights to your life, no access to your heart. And you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, we want to do this right now in prayer. We want to repent and just turn back to you from trusting in our own self and our own righteousness or in our own pride, Lord. We just want to humble ourselves and be vulnerable in this moment and just ask, Lord, would you cleanse our hands? Maybe you could just lift your hands, just turn them over to God and Kind of present them to him right now in this moment. Lord, please wash my hands. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. You paid the penalty of my sin and wrongdoing. And so, Lord, today, would you wash my hands and place your hand over your heart. And, Lord, would you purify my heart because there's lots of stuff going on in my heart. Some good, some bad, some evil. Purify it, Lord. Uproot bitterness. Show me, Lord, if there's anything I'm holding on to that I have not forgiven a person. Help me remember my battle's not with flesh and blood, but against demonic powers in high places. And so, Lord, I can forgive. I can let go of the people that have offended me and hurt me. And God, just as I pray over my mind, I pray, would you, would you help me to begin to think the thoughts of God and live out the truths of God in my life? Not convenient truth, not skewed or diluted truth, but Lord, help me know the truth so the truth can set me free and help me to walk that out and live that. I want to walk humbly before you, God. Just in this moment of prayer and quiet, maybe you realize that you've never really come into that relationship with Jesus where you've been made right with him. That he's paid the penalty for your sin and you've placed your faith in him and the full trust of your life in him. See, that's where righteousness starts. Is quit trying to earn it and just let him make you righteous, make you part of his family. And if that's you, and you know that you need to do that, to place your faith in Jesus and receive that righteousness that comes from him, just in this moment, I want to pray with you and ask that you pray this along with me. Jesus, I'm opening my heart to you right now. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be real. Lord, would you come in and 
Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I've gone my own way and done my own thing. And Lord, I'm asking right now, please cleanse me and wash me clean. Make me right with God through what you did on the cross. I trust that in faith right now in Jesus' name. And just as we're praying and we're continuing to just hold this moment, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand, signifying to God, I prayed that prayer. Thank you. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. Yep. Amen. Amen. Lord, would you bless each one of these, God, with just an overwhelming knowledge of the way that you love them, that they don't have to always be right or righteous, that you are righteous and you impart it and you impute it to them. Bless them with it. Help them just see that, Lord. Fill them with the power of your spirit now that they walk out different. And help us be patient, Lord, because there's a process to righteousness as well that we're all walking in. And so, Lord, for every one of us, we pray, would you help us, Lord, impart to us and work through us, Holy Spirit. Cleanse us, purge us. Help me walk in repentance every day. And help me be quick to forgive. And help me be vigilant to protect the heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's good stuff with plenty of of practice and homework to go on into this week with. Next week, come on back and, and bring someone with you. We're going to talk about the next piece of the armor, the shoes, the footwear that we have. Uh, and the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. So we'll talk about that. Look forward to seeing you then. Uh, for this morning, if you would like to have someone pray with you or pray for you, our prayer team will be right over here underneath uh, the monitor on that side of the up front. So come on forward. They'll pray with you. If you're new and looking to get connected at the First Connect, um, I will be over there on that uh, by that monitor, waiting to meet you for that. Look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend and a wonderful afternoon.